We are doing uh, God's battle plan for the mind. It looks like this. If you uh, don't have a copy, uh, I believe you can borrow one of these and don't write in it and just bring it back at the end of this Sabbath school. Okay, so there's three of them up here. And you can use them if you like. Just don't destroy them as you use them, is what I heard last week. So um, there are outlines on the table and the next to Mr. Rentschler there. If you if you want them, uh, to a pretty high degree, we're going to follow the book for until uh, we get close to the end here. Uh, we are doing chapter seven today. Chapter seven is you know, roughly midway through the book. Uh, if you have a copy of the outline, the outline is predominantly in the standard Roman numeral order, except that I added something in the front. And Roman numerals don't have a zero, so my outline does have a zero. But don't go thinking that Roman numerals have such, okay? Okay. Uh, and the reason that that's there is that chapter 7 is titled Important Occasions for Meditation. And I don't know about you, but when I read that Important Occasions for Biblical, or, or Important Occasions for Meditations, I immediately got all twisted up as uh, the difference between occasion and occasional. And they are indeed two different words, and uh, obviously related, but, but I, I think the untwisting of them is to say that, if you will, all occasions that present themselves to a person are useful for occasional meditation. Okay? Now, there are some occasions that present or, or even are planned and you know about that call for deliberate meditation. And you recall that we have spent a chapter on occasional, we have spent a chapter on deliberate, and we have uh, talked about subsets of uh, within deliberate of both direct and reflective. And we're not going to go back and review other than to say, if you recognize those words and you want to review, they're in the chapters we've already covered. So moving to Roman numeral one, the first section of chapter seven speaks of meditation uh, and daily Bible reading uh, and, and prayer. Uh, for daily Bible reading, it makes the suggestion that um, a person who's serious about this will read the entire Bible at least once every two years and describes that as a minimum. I would certainly agree with that as a minimum. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure you can find a Bible reading plan that is uh, reads the whole Bible. I don't know, maybe I've seen a five-year plan. Most of them are one-year plans and occasionally uh, a two. There are a massive number of plans available on the internet or through various ministries. Uh, we're getting to the time. Yeah, I mean, you can start a plan anytime, but uh, it's obviously as we go into a new year, uh, we think about such things. So it's time to be thinking about, uh, are you going to use the plan you used this past year? Or are you going to start on a different plan? And there's all kinds of plans. 
Okay. Um, I think one one plan that I can uh, recommend to anybody is: Do you say it, machine or machiney? Machine. Okay. Well, that plan is readily available. The machine plan that you know you can even print off things that become bookmarks uh, in in your Bible, and you will find yourself reading in four different places every day, and two of them are intended to be done as family, and two of them are intended to be done as individuals or, or private. Uh, in that sense, you don't have to use it that way. That's just uh, how they're suggested, uh, if you will. But if you use that plan, you will find that you read the New Testament twice in a year. You will find that you read the Psalms twice in a year. And you will find that you read the rest of the Old Testament once in a year if you are faithful to those four readings every day. So you get the Psalms twice, New Testament twice, all the rest of the Old Testament once. So that definitely meets the requirement of the Bible every year. And, and that, uh, I, I would say, is uh, uh, that's a good minimum. Uh, you can uh, you can certainly uh, grow from there, and you're you're cheating yourself if you're below that standard. Okay, um, we read the Bible, the whole Bible, every year at least once, um, so that we input the full counsel of God. If left to ourselves with no plan, we will only ever read our favorite books, or only ever read our favorite chapters or our favorite verses. You know, we, we won't go, we won't go read, what is it, the, uh, the first uh, 10 or 11 chapters, uh, I think, I don't remember if it's First Chronicles or Second Chronicles, which are all genealogy. And it's all these names of most of which you've never heard before. But uh, do you skip over that or do you read it? I, I find myself reading it and I start drawing lines between things that I had never seen before. So uh, it's, it's, that stuff is worth reading. So my counsel would be get and use a plan. And if you find that you kind of don't like it, that plan, find another one or tweak the one you got, uh, the, the one that you have. You can build your own uh, as well. Bible reading is the beginning of meditation. If you don't do Bible reading, Bible reading is, is intaking spiritual truth. It's intaking food, if you will. It's, it's intaking God's Word. Uh, it's, it's eating. Uh, meditation is digestion. You have to eat before you can digest. But digesting is what internalizes and makes the nutrition of eating turns it into real nutrition. It makes it truly uh, useful. We need to internalize God's Word that we have read by meditating upon it, and that's mainly because we have hard hearts. It's hard to get this stuff into us. We have slippery memories. Some of us think we may not have memories at all anymore, but, uh, um, but we really do. And, uh, and, you, and you will find that even when the memory starts to go, it's the Word of God is the stuff that sticks. So uh, uh, especially stuff that was that you've been uh, 
mulling over for, uh, well, for <coughs> D&I for decades at this point. Uh, the ones that you started with are often the ones that, uh, well, they just so easily come back uh, into your memory and you can, you can meditate on them again wherever you happen to be. Uh, meditation, which is digestion, the, there is the, the word picture of, of meditation is chewing the cud. Well, who chews the cud? Ruminants, okay? Cows happen to be a ruminant, but yeah. They, uh, they typically are uh, grass eaters and they often have multi-segmented stomachs and they will, they will eat and partially digest and then, this sounds gross, but they burp the stuff back up and they chew it again. And uh, that's called, it's called rumination. And that's ruminants and rumination are the same. And that's really what we're doing with meditation. Uh, and uh, that meditation helps to lock in the truth of God's word that we have read. Uh, you know, and, and we can read it once and uh, we don't remember much. Pretty quickly, we don't remember a whole lot. The next day, we may not remember a whole lot. A week later, all we may remember is there was something good a week ago. Uh, and uh, so meditating upon it, uh, and, and, you know, our whole book here is about ways, uh, what to meditate on, how to meditate, those kind of things. And so I'll just continue to refer you back to there. Uh, Thomas Manton makes the point of that... Our, this whole process of intaking God's word, of meditating or digesting God's word, also requires prayer. And, and the prayer is the, if you will, a means of grace that God has given us for uh, applying that truth that we are meditating upon. How do we... How do we make it a part of us so that it's not just head knowledge that's a part of us, but it's a part of us as to how we think. And because of how we think and thinking God's thoughts after him, uh, we uh, amazingly begin to take on some of his character. Just, uh, you know, not, not that that's a very good comparison. We always fail, but... But, but uh, we are being perfected and completed in this process of sanctification. Um, um, our prayers are, we, we pray before we read, we pray before we meditate, and we pray after we, we meditate. So the, 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 end, the, the resulting prayers are very much informed by what we have read and what we have been meditating upon, and and they are they are these truths that we've begun to digest and internalize. They are uh, they are they are how they are. I think Thomas Manton uses the word letting out, and I've been trying to figure out what letting out really means. Uh, Pastor and I even had a small conversation about that, and it's probably a Puritanism that may have been lost a little bit amongst us. But uh, 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 
letting out would really be okay. So you you've you've taken it in, you've digested it, but now it's making it available in the life that you live. It's the outworking, if you will, of the truths that you have now truly in, internalized. Maybe not as completely as you eventually will, but but they're beginning to internalize such that they these things become your your first thoughts. These things become your first actions because they're your first thoughts. And, and that's, that's really, uh, that really is the goal of all of this. We don't read just so that we can check the box that said we read this chapter on this day in this Bible reading plan. We don't check the box on our schedule that says meditate. And we don't check the box on our schedule that says prayer just to have checked the box. Mr. Richland. So you're being deliberate about even the occasional meditation on occasions. Right. Yeah. That's right. If I'm somewhere that you say, well, what does the Bible have to do with yeah. this? Yeah. Say, Lord, what is it what's happening right now yeah. in your word? Yeah. Yep. It's applying God's word to all of life as we think of it, as it comes to us. As, as as it happens, but also as we uh, pursue it with uh, uh, intent and purpose. Um, one of the words that I thought of in terms of what prayer does after Bible reading and meditation is that it, it's what allows the Word of God to to permeate within all, all that we are, you know, you know, so it, it spreads throughout us. It, it become truly becomes a part of us. Uh, I tried to think about examples of that in the scriptures themselves, and there are probably a lot more, and I didn't think very hard. I'm sorry. But one I got to thinking about was, if you think about Psalm 119, which we think about a big long psalm and every verse has some, some flavor or another, some nuance that is a synonym for uh, God's word, God's law, his precepts, his statutes, all those kind of things. I think there's 12 or 13 different words uh, that, are, that are used uh, in the original languages. Um, but there will often be, I see this about your law, and then I'll do this. Okay, And, and, and it's a good thing. I mean, it, I see this in your law, and this follows on. You know, I see this, and therefore. 
I see this and therefore, and that, uh, I think that's part of, uh, um, we get a glimpse of, if you will, David's letting out of the word of God in his life. Uh, Roman numeral two, meditation, the Lord's day and profiting from hearing sermons. Uh, you know, we did a study a couple years ago now about the Lord's day. One of the things is that if we, if we are diligent about delighting in the Lord's day, uh, there ought to be a lot of time on that day available for meditation. If we would just purpose to do that, where, uh, uh, and that also would lead to meditation not be part of the delight. And so uh, sermons. Just want to say one thing about sermons right now, but a lot more a little later. I'm looking at sermons as, if you will, God's truth foretold, meaning you're telling it out, with insightful and pointed applications to the hearers. And what that one thing that would then imply is that a given sermon has a primary contextual audience. Okay, so when Pastor James gets up and preaches to us, he's delivering a sermon, but he's, you know, we know that that Jesus is speaking through him. We know that from Hebrews, but he is speaking, first of all, to us, okay, as an assembled local body, as an assembled congregation, as a assembled, uh, mostly members of that local church. And we'll talk more about that and why that's important later. But that's, that, that's how I'm viewing what a sermon is. Okay, I don't necessarily see Sabbath school class as a sermon. There are some similarities, but it's not a sermon. Okay, you you can decide for yourself on that. I, I, I suppose um, meditation and sermon preparation. That's my that's Roman numeral three. That that's that section in the book. Um, this is the idea that if you're the one who has been appointed and God has gifted and such, if you are the one preparing and delivering the sermon, there's a responsibility to greatly meditate upon the content of that sermon and to meditate with a hope and expectation, even a requirement to give forth those insights and those pointed applications, especially to the set of hearers or listeners who are sitting in front of you in the room that you're in. Does that seem reasonable? Okay. And nobody shook their heads, so I guess some people, well, those, some nodded, nobody shook. So it must be, uh, must be, uh, must be reasonable. Okay, and my application from this chapter is understanding that how much greater is our responsibility to pray for those who deliver, who prepare and deliver our sermons 
because that is uh, especially corporately the primary way means that God uses to communicate his truth to us with that us being not the invisible church, but us you can eyeball right now, okay? Uh, and, and I know you can do sermons and you can hear them on the internet and, and that. And there is a context for that. But recall that that sermon was delivered to a group of people for a purpose. And, and when it's the pastor or an elder delivering that sermon, you know, they are the shepherds. They are under shepherds for this flock. And so the insights and the pointed applications could be for others as well. It's primarily, primarily us. So we ought listen well because it really is, it, it's, it, it really is intended for us. So hence pray uh, for those who prepare and deliver. Um, Roman numeral four, special reasons or seasons in life for meditation. The first one up is funerals. Uh, you know why funerals? Funerals because they, there's, a, uh, there's a finality that seems to be about that. We, uh, uh, there's a, a, a seriousness, there's a soberness, or at least there can be. Uh, it, it's, it is life or death. It's a time when people uh, are, spiritual things are underscored when, uh, when we attend a funeral. And, and, and we can meditate upon those things, uh, those things that are said. Uh, uh, other special seasons are special dispensations of God's mercy uh, or judgment. Uh, you know, these are the kind of things that uh, uh, perhaps, especially in terms of, well, these are the kind of things that would commonly be looked at as things like what happened on 9-11, okay? And if you were to back up, you would probably think the assassinations of the 60s. You would think of D-Day. You would think of Pearl Harbor. You would, you know, in the context of, Modern day Israel, you might think of October the 7th uh, recently. So there are, there are things that cause people to think uh, spiritually and how we look at that uh, um, biblically. But we can see those, those kind of things as God's mercy or God's judgment. We probably, for some reason or another, maybe it's common culture, we see more of, we, we, we see it more as God's judgment than we see it as God's mercy. Although ultimately there may be a lot of mercies in the judgment in that the judgments ought lead to repentance. Uh, so um, uh, another time of, of uh, special time is when, when death is approaching. Now we don't know the day of our deaths and some are instantaneous. I mean, in the sense of they just happen. And there are others, though, that uh, it, it's, a, uh, it, it's more clear that it's coming. And we don't know the exact day, but, but it is a, 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 in that it's a uh, common to all men, except Enoch and Elijah, 
it, it, those things are things uh, to think about and not, not to avoid. It's a reality. It's common to, to all people. Uh, special other times are when there's a weighty task to be taken on. Uh, I think about uh, a weighty task that we have going on right now in this church is to, to have recommended, to have nominated, to be evaluating, and ultimately to, to select, ordain, install, whatever word you want to use, uh, deacons for this particular local body. That's a weighty task. That hasn't happened. I don't know. When did it happen the last time? It hasn't happened. I've been here four years. It hasn't happened then. So, uh, you know, it, that's it's a, it's a rare enough occurrence to be the kind of thing that ought to provoke us to meditate. And what would we meditate on? We would meditate upon the scriptures and we would meditate upon what are the requirements and we would meditate upon how the life is lived and, 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 and those kind of things. Um, times of trial, times of change uh, are good times to meditate. Uh, times of change might be uh, you're considering marriage or uh, uh, a job change or a move or you're going to be leaving home uh, or uh, uh, uh we might need to meditate in regard to even significant elections since we're given meaning participating in the election processes because we're given that opportunity, at least in this land. Uh, good time, times of change are when a household or family member is added. Uh, uh, and that can be through, you know, the natural way but it could also be when one is added through adoption. And it might be one when one is added by uh, bringing in someone from another generation. So a mother, a grandmother, a father, a grandfather. Uh, you know, so households and families can be added on to, and those are uh, times, times for meditation uh, uh, as well. And, and one that... Uh, we don't like to think about, but is very, very serious is when a family member ultimately really has departed from God uh, and as evidenced by, you know, perhaps rebellion against family, against church, those kind of things, and just being a law unto themselves. Uh, you know, I, I think we're, we meditate on, we always meditate on why. But let's meditate on the truths of, you know, what what we ought to do and how we would uh, respond to that person. Should God grant them repentance to to come back and live in a faithful way? Um, Roman numeral five: meditation and preparation for the Lord's table. This chapter really talks about the sacraments, so it's both Lord's table and baptism. But Lord's table is every week. Baptism is as it happens, if you will. So much, much less frequent. If you look in the, the printed book, there's, uh, there's three pages that talk about meditating in regard to the sacraments and the Lord's table in particular. And I will direct you to those. They are pages 71, 72, and 73. 
And I'm not going to dwell on that right now just because they're right there in the book. And you can go dwell on them uh, yourself if you have not already. Um, it's important to meditate as part of our preparation for the Lord's table. We don't go into the Lord's table just willy-nilly. And it's just something that's in the worship book that we do uh, near of the couple near to the end of the couple hours that we are together uh, in 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 the chapel. I think uh, something that we get read every week is do this in remembrance of me. You know there is a tie between remembering and meditating, and so even Jesus, not even Jesus, but Jesus has said, "Do this in remembrance of me." Uh, that ought to be a less than subtle hint to meditate upon this. Uh, what we're both as we come into it, as we are doing it, and as we have have have, have finished it. Roman numeral six, I call Hopewell's rich resource. Now, you probably won't find that in this chapter, okay? But it's 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 my conclusion to the chapter. First of all, everything that we said about sermons, please understand the rich resource that we have at Hopewell in regard to sermons, okay? Um, and I would underscore again what we said about the preparation and delivery of sermons and our need to pray for the person who is doing that. And again, it's so that truth is communicated, but God's truth is communicated in a way that is um, direct application especially to us, okay? Because this is by the people who know us the best. Or perhaps your family knows best, but they're, they're not preaching to you in exactly the same way. Um, and I would like to point out to you just how many instances we truly have. So we have Sabbath day public worship is a sermon that we can meditate on. And why would we meditate on a sermon anyway? You meditate on a sermon, again, because it is taking God's word in. It's been meditated on, and it's been meditated towards application, and then it's been spoken to us. So it, it, it's a, it helps us to apply what it is that we're being taught. Um, a sermon that doesn't include application in that way is probably more akin to just reading a commentary. So, uh, uh, I mean, it's, uh, or maybe it's more akin to just reading the Bible, reading the scriptures, as opposed to really delivering a sermon and preaching. Um, so the prayer, but, but instances, Sabbath day, public worship, uh, you know, there's a little mini sermon that occurs every Lord's Day just before the Lord's table. I call it the Lord's table exhortation, but it's actually a little mini sermon and it applies to us. It is applied to us. Uh, that's how it's spoken uh, uh, about. There's another sermon that gets delivered. We call it the evening sermon. It actually is late afternoon, the way it's scheduled around here. 
but uh, it, it, it is the Sabbath day evening. And then we have these, these little, I would call them sermons. Uh, uh, you can hear them actually delivered orally on the internet, but there are six Hopewell at Home sermons that occur in the, uh, in the course of a week. And you can read them online or you can actually hear them as typically Pastor James is preaching them to his own family. So you can read them or you can hear them or you can do both. But they are sermons that are, uh, that are being delivered to us. And then there's the midweek prayer meeting sermon currently in Romans, which is rich. And if, you, uh, if, you, uh, if you're not doing that and availing yourself of it, please start. And they're all, uh, they're all online, so it's not too late to start. You know, you, in a matter of, if you listen to one a day within a couple of months, you'd be caught up. So uh, uh, I would encourage you in that. So that's one, seven, eight, nine. That's, that's ten sermons that are just Hopewell at home, and are, 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 which are just Hopewell. And remember that the Hopewell sermons are the ones that are especially towards us because they know us and the pointed application is towards us because they, because they know us. Uh, I directed you to pages 71 through 73, uh, meditation and preparation for the Lord's table. But you know, we have a meditation and preparation for the Lord's table. It's, uh, it's a four-part, two-page that gets printed every week in, your, in, in the worship booklet that talks about how to meditate on this, how to prepare for, how to partake of, and who's qualified and why we do this and how we do this. So I would commend that to you. Just go to your worship booklet, and that is something uh, that you could, you could meditate on, on as well. And why do we do all this thing, and why am I commending the Hopewell sermons to you? Uh, so strongly? Well, it's because if we are all hearing, listening, meditating on the same sections of Scripture, on the same very pointed uh, and very needful applications, and we do that throughout the week, it seems to me that that ought to give us a really, really good feeding so that we know what and how to talk about things you know, instead of how to sharpen our knife after lunch, we can talk about the things that maybe we learned out of one or another of these 10 sermons. Okay, how's that for being pointed? <laughs> pointed knife, pointed application. So, um, but, 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 but that would really be why. We work it into our life so that we can work it out into others' life. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 you know, let us consider how to stir up, some say provoke, uh, poke a stick at uh, somebody else, uh, not in a harsh way, but uh, encouraging them uh, to love and good works. Uh, that's what we ought to be doing as we uh, uh, appropriately use our Sabbath day uh, as a day of, it's a day of rest, but it's not a day of unengaging our brains, okay? It's a, it's a day of pointed, uh, uh, helpful assistance in the application of those things that we have heard 
and pre been preached to uh, from from God's word. And uh, I'll uh, any questions? Okay, it's ten minutes still, so I'll close this in prayer. Oh Lord God, we thank you that you are our God and that you have given us your word. God, we thank you that you have given us your word that we can read it in our own language, we can hear it in our own language, and that we can have it exposited to us by men that you have gifted to do such. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the application of your truth that uh, we can look forward to applying, making a part of us, helping us to think your thoughts after you, and in so doing, live more like you as you sanctify us through your means. Lord God, help us to worship well uh, here beginning in the next few minutes according to, uh, to who, how you say to worship according to spirit and truth. We thank you that you are our God and praise you. Amen.